0: Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ETM. The curious thing about building wealth is there is always going to be a risk brewing somewhere. I mean, have you ever thought, what if you had flood damage in your home? What would you do? Think about hurricanes. We're in the hurricane season. It lasts June through November, but it doesn't have to be a hurricane that causes flood damage. Remember Hurricane Maria last year? If you lived through it, you certainly do. It was crazy storm. It blew through Dominica as a category five and Puerto Rico as a category four. And it actually made it the worst natural disaster to affect those islands. Maximum sustained winds, 175 miles per hour. That is crazy. It caused ninety billion dollars in damage, the third costliest recorded tropical cyclone. Those numbers are just. They're catastrophic. It also caused the deadliest storm, claiming 3,057 lives, a figure that was, of course, initially hard to pin down. But in today's podcast episode, you'll learn what you need to know about the dangers a flood can have on your money, even if you don't live in a flood area or a hurricane state, hurricane zone. Oh, and I'm going to throw a little bit of a challenge out. I actually double-dog dare you to listen to this podcast episode because you're going to learn something. And might I say, we're actually going to have a fun conversation about insurance. I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money. And today we're talking when your money meets mother nature. Your money with Shauna Compton Games. It will expand your brain. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. So there's no Ask Shauna question this episode, but before you start feeling down and blue because of that, I wanted to talk to you about something really interesting that came out in Money News lately. I was interviewed for an article this last week and I thought, oh, this is such a good topic. We have to talk about this in an opening to a podcast episode because I think it strikes up a real interesting conversation or at least makes you go, hmm, that's interesting. So in August, there was a private letter ruling, which is basically just somebody or some company uh, requests of the IRS a private letter ruling that applies to their strategy or to an idea that they've come up with that kind of bends the rules a little bit, if you will. So a company wrote to the IRS or whatever the process is. I'm not up on the whole private letter ruling process, but, but just go with me here, right? So they asked the IRS to grant them this private letter ruling, which they did. And in fact, this company in the private letter ruling was concerned because a lot of their employees had massive student loan debt. Hello, most of us, right? But they weren't saving for retirement, which is, again, probably most of us listening to this podcast. So the company said, you know, in an attempt to help the employees both pay off their debt and also save for retirement, they're going to do something really interesting that a company hasn't done before. They were going to contribute 5% match to your 401k if you also agreed to pay 2% of your take-home pay towards your student loan debt. So while you are shoveling your money to pay off your student loan debt, they're like, okay, well, we understand you're going to take a pause or you're not going to be interested in contributing to your 401k, so we're going to do it for you. And remember, the match is like this, it's like the most amazing thing ever because it's free money. The company is basically giving you this amount of money every single month. A lot of times there are terms to how long you have to stay with the company. And if you leave before a certain period of time, it it dictates how much of that money you actually get to take with you. You always take your own money. Always, always, always. But depending on when you leave and depending on the company's plan document and all of those things that they decided on will determine how much of the money you actually take with you that they contributed of this match. So why is this interesting? Well, of course, the studies show and you read any article that everyone, it's not just millennials, everyone is not saving enough for retirement. And I can attest that from what I see on my end And I I get it. I mean, it's hard to balance debt. It's hard to save for goals. Maybe you want to buy a home or you're starting a family and all of these things take a large amount of money. And then to put on top of that contributing to retirement, which for most of us feels like it feels like you're going in outer space. Like it is so far away. It's not even in the, the framework of your brain. You're thinking about way cooler things that you want to do with your money than save for retirement. And I understand. I've been there myself and there I think I've talked about this on the podcast where there are times where I've had to start and stop saving for retirement because other things have come up and they just they take my money or they take my attention and I have to deal with it. And I've also talked about how I think that retirement's gonna look different for many of us because I think we're gonna have these segments of our life where we're stopped working, especially women. If you're listening to this podcast, and your chick, you need to hear this loud and clear. Like A lot of us stop working for a period of time when we have kids. A lot of us stop working down the line when maybe our husband gets sick or something like that. We have all of these starts and stops and the the starts and stops are what's hard on your retirement portfolio because it doesn't allow you really the regular contribution. And You know, I think the numbers, if we just look at the numbers for a moment, they don't lie, right? Consistent contributions, paycheck by paycheck, the slow and steady, like think about a turtle. It wins the race when it comes to saving and building for retirement age. Even if there are market downturns, you look at any study, it's going to show that if someone consistently contributed to their retirement when the market was up, when the market was down, they are much farther ahead than somebody who knee-jerked in and out of the market. And it's not always about finding the best fund or trying to beat the market. The key is, can you get your fees as low as humanly possible to match your risk tolerance? Remember, risk tolerance, again, is just a fancy word for how risky you want to be with your investments. And can you contribute with each paycheck at least something? So what does this private letter ruling mean to you? Well, nothing really, except if this company was successful, it could mean that other companies follow suit. I think a 5% match is pretty generous. Most companies offer a 3% match. So 5% is, is pretty awesome. And Again, I'm going to keep saying it so many times so that when somebody says match, the automatic word that rolls out of your mouth is free money, (laughs) because that's how you should think about it. And if they're going to give you this free money, whether you decide to contribute to your 401k or not, that's a pretty awesome incentive for you to pay off your student loans. And, you know, we'll see what it can mean for every company down the line I don't know, you know, and it takes a while for these things to shake out. It takes some time for other companies to jump on the bandwagon. They kind of always want to see what the first like guinea pig company, like how they're doing, how this worked for them before we might see or begin to see massive change. But I think it's promising because it's showing that companies are understanding that a lot of us are underwater in student loan debt, that we really want to proactively pay off that debt. But also, you, like I say on this podcast all the time, you have to have money growing in a positive direction. You can't just pay everything off. That's wonderful and that is fantastic. But you also have to start building that giant snowball that's going to give you options and opportunities down the line that's growing at a much faster rate than your savings account and, God forbid, your bank account. Your bank account... You might have one of those new fancy online banks that is paying you some interest, but I would probably bet 95% of us don't. So just something to think about, something to think about, you know, if you worked at a company like this, how would you maybe feel about it? Maybe it even jogs your brain to think about, well, I don't know what the match is at my company. Maybe it's worth taking a moment and and finding it out. So on to today's podcast episode. I had the chance to interview Jason Hargraves, who is the managing editor for insurancequotes.com about flood insurance, which is typically a boring subject. And I thought this was going to be a dry, boring interview, not because of him, but because of the subject. And I was so wrong. And I, I love it when I'm wrong about this stuff. Really, I do. So flood insurance is a topic we have not discussed very much. And it's something that impacts so many of you that are listening to this podcast. You, a lot of you live in these zones where floods and hurricanes and tropical storms and typhoons and all of those terrible things, maybe not in the U.S., we don't really have typhoons, but for my international listeners, uh, you know, it, it impacts you. It impacts your your daily life, certainly during s- certain seasons of the year, And, you know, what happens when Mother Nature comes in and destroys your house or your car, your possessions, the thing that you have spent years saving for? Where I live in in Los Angeles, we have earthquakes. And I lived through a pretty major one in the 90s. It tore almost our entire house apart. Everything was turned over or broken in the quake. And, you know, it was... (laughs) It was a terrible experience. I think I still have trauma from it. It really took me such a long time before I could feel safe again. There's something about earthquakes. They're just they're so unnerving. You have no idea like the the ground is shaking underneath you and there's nothing you can do about it. It's just it's really really creepy. So, I hope if you're listening you've not had to experience an earthquake nor will you ever have to experience one. So this is interesting, right? We've got Mother Nature that comes in and does these destructive things. And then we've also got that coupled with this national savings average of less than $1,000 saved. I think the number is somewhere around 67% of Americans, don't quote me exactly on that, but I believe it's in that range, have less than $1,000 saved. Well, what happens when Mother Nature comes in and meets your money? I know these aren't fun topics to talk about, but oh, are they so important to building your financial future? Because you can't put your blinders on. You have to know your risks along the way while you're growing your money. It's just so critical to spend some time. doesn't have to be a lot of time, but just thinking what sort of risks your money might be exposed to. And again, even if you don't live in an area that typically has floods, you might one day. So I'm going to challenge you. Why not expand your brain a little bit and learn about something new? Hey, Jason, it is uh, so awesome to have you on the podcast. Uh, You're over at insurancequotes.com. And I just got an email from you guys a couple days ago about an article about how to file an insurance claim after Hurricane Florence. And I thought, you know, this is a subject we haven't really talked about on the podcast. And, you know, why not go straight to the experts to find out?
1: Yeah, well, no, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, with all, you know, hurricane season always brings its share of storms. And so it's, it's a good reminder for people who maybe weren't affected this time around to actually kind of get uh, their paperwork in order, really kind of understand it. Cause the best, the best way to be prepared from an insurance standpoint is to know exactly what your coverage is. And it's very, it can be very confusing when it comes to, to tropical storms. And hurricanes.
0: For sure, and you know, I think it's it's a confusing topic. I mean, most insurance is, if we're going to be honest, <laughs> to most it's never people, that
1: exciting of a topic that's it, for sure. It's that is not, for sure. Yes, a... <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. No one is like, you know, oh, what? I just want to sit down and talk about insurance.
1: <laughs> well, I try my best to make it exciting in my job, but it, it can be a difficult task at times.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I totally totally hear you. That's that's always my attempt with the podcast. But I know it can be, you know, confusing topic. So I'd love to just walk through like a little bit of. Of the mechanics. Sure. Like, you know, what is flood insurance? Like, who needs it? And, like, how does somebody go about getting it?
1: Sure. Well, um, it's interesting because there's really two components when it comes to a catastrophic storm. One is, there is the flood insurance program, and that's something you can buy from your local agent. They will facilitate uh, a claim and how you can purchase it. But it's actually a, a federally funded program, the National Flood Insurance Program program so that's that's one thing, so there's that, so people will tend to have a flood insurance policy on their home. The other is just your typical homeowners policy, and that homeowners policy usually you know covers anything from fire, theft, a variety of things, but it it can also include storm damage so if you live near the coast or if you live near uh, any sort of waterway, a river or a creek, or something that could overflow. The the best advice is usually to have both. That works in combination, which that again just further confuses people. So I'll try to <laughs> break it down. I try to break it down for you. When you have damage from a storm, let's say like a hurricane, it, and you're talking about water damage, that's going to be the difference. So if if water rises and it comes, if it's from the ground up, it's rising water getting into your home, that's flood insurance. If the water damage comes in from the top, if rain comes from the sky and somehow damages the interior of your home, like if you had a roof or blown off or a window was broken and rain came from the sky into your home and created damage, that's a homeowner's insurance. So you just have to remember that rising water, like if you live near the coast with like a, a tidal, I mean, I'm mean, i sorry, storm surge or a rising river, flood insurance covers that. Rain damage, that's your homeowner's insurance. So that, that's the first thing. So many people will have claims on both a flood insurance policy and on their homeowner's policy. Um. That's Which makes sense, there.
0: right? Because if there's a hurricane yep. or a big storm, you could have both. You could have rising and rainwater coming into the roof.
1: Absolutely. And And usually if you have had... You know, if, unless your house is a, a total loss, and that's that's would they'll usually follow that they'll usually file that under your homeowners. But if you have, if you're making repairs from rising water, that's flood insurance right from the top. Is that or any other damage? So that's the first thing to be clear on how you're going to go about doing that. Um, the the second aspect of that is with your homeowners policy, a uh, standard homeowners policy you're looking at a normal deductible, again, like there was a fire, there was a theft. You're looking at, usually it runs about 500 to to $1,000 for your deductible. But for people living in coastal states, there's something called a hurricane deductible. And it's every state along the eastern seaboard and the Gulf of Mexico, I believe, with the exception of New Hampshire, which has just a little little piece of land there touching it. But basically, the states allow insurance companies to have what's called a hurricane deductible, or sometimes it's called a windstorm deductible. The words can be interchangeable, so it's, you can't don't want to get confused on that. And basically, what that does it allows insurers to have a, a higher deductible for a windstorm or a hurricane than they Normally would. The theory behind it is it it, it lowers people's uh, homeowners insurance, so they don't have astronomically high insurance rates because you're going to pay more out of pocket if a storm does hit. So though, yeah. So what so what your hurricane? Did, so you could have a you have a regular deductible on your homeowners insurance, um, but if damage to your home is is caused by a storm and a, a name storm is very important. Many of these policies say it has to be a name storm. So you may think, oh, it's a tropical. Depression comes ashore or it's 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 a tropical storm, but once the storm gets named, that's very important for a lot of insurance policies so that that that's something to pay attention to so any damage from that, then you have a deductible that's usually anywhere from one to five percent of the amount you have your house insured for so if you have a half million dollar home um you know you're you could have a hurricane deductible of ten thousand fifteen thousand dollars Wow, so that's much that's much different now it, that helps you because Obviously, it makes your premiums uh, lower. You take, but when you do file a claim, you might have forgotten that your hurricane deductible, <laughs> deductible works a different way. So you're like, "Hey, I know my homeowner's deductible is a thousand dollars. That's great." And then you find out that, oh, actually, you have a hurricane deductible that you do not remember, and now that's fifteen thousand dollars, and that's that that's a big a big thing for someone to remember. So those are those are the two things I always say: just know your insurance policies. Know if you need flood insurance, and then in your homeowners, just always remember you have to, for those people living on the coast, in states along the coast, you have to, you have a hurricane or windstorm deductible, and then you have your normal deductible. So if you've got those basics covered, you won't be too surprised.
0: And how do you know if you have enough flood insurance? Like, how would you begin to figure that out?
1: Well, for most people, you don't have a whole lot of choice. Because the insurance is federally funded, there's a cap on it. so And I believe the cap currently stands at about $250,000 maximum for a structure, and you do get some more for a personal um, item. So even if you have flood insurance and you have a $500,000 home that's perhaps a, a total loss from a flood, the maximum the policy is going to pay out is $250,000. So... Um, you, there's not a lot of, when you're picking flood insurance, you either have it, they look at where you live, they assess the risk of you potentially having, um, a flood. And then that's, that's where they get the price. Anyone can buy flood insurance. You can live in Las Vegas and, and get flood insurance. You would have to pay very much, by the way. Um, but anyone can get it. But those- Why would you need
0: it though? If you lived in some place, you know, other than one of those states where typically a hurricane or a flood storm happens? I am in love with Brooklinen. You know, I think the sheets that you sleep on, they have a serious correlation to the restfulness of your sleep. And I'm so thankful that I found Brooklinen because sleeping on Brooklinen, it's really like nothing I've ever experienced before. The sheets are breathable, soft to the touch, a real luxury experience without the markup price. And in fact, Brooklinen was founded in 2014 by a millennial couple, and they wanted to create the most beautiful and comfy home essentials without those crazy prices. And get this, their method is to take the middleman out, keep things personal just between them and the customer. And they have this whole small business approach from being run by a husband and wife to being involved in every step of the manufacturing process to a customer service team that cares so much they actually remember their customers by name. And Brooklinen is the fastest growing bedding brand in the world with over 20,000 five-star reviews of happy sleepers just like me. I wanted to go with this whole gray motif of stripes and solids for a real relaxing feeling. Plus, it just goes with everything. Do yourself a favor. Try Brooklinen. Seriously, they are the most comfy sheets I've ever slept on. Go to brooklinen.com. They have an exclusive offer just for you. You can get $20 off and free shipping when you use my promo code MYMONEY at brooklinen.com. And Brooklyn Inn is so confident they're going to offer you a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all their sheets and comforters. So you have nothing to lose. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use my promo code MYMONEY at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code MYMONEY. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's monarchmone dot slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for.
1: Normally you wouldn't, but there are there are cases where some policies, like let's say you, the the sewer system backs up in your house, some insurance policies on your homeowners could read that as that's water coming up and from the bottom of the ground. That's flood. That's not um, oh. that's not normal. So there are a few instances. I'm not saying you need to go out and get this. Check your policy, and that's always a question I have people ask: is you know that's because you know a sewer system can back up. Any kind of water, um, or what's say you have uh a for instance a um a hot water heater that breaks and it's the kind that uh you know can store endless water or it's a i'm drawing a blank now, but oh the tankless so that you definitely, it can go it can go on or you have some type of flooding from a pipe that could be a little different, but there are some instances that 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 flood insurance would actually come into play if um under those circumstances they're kind of rare it's always good to ask, so I always say you know just because you do live in a desert, for instance, doesn't mean you don't need flood insurance. And in one way, people are trying to advocate for everyone to have it, because by the, if you have all the, if you have it for every home in the country, then that's going to make the fund much bigger, and it's going to be much more a solvent um, federal program. Right now, it's running. In a huge deficit, so there's the funding for no the national, surprises. <laughs> yeah, it's in bad shape. But so the theory behind it, you have a lot of people, especially on Capitol Hill, trying to push for this idea of, you know, if if mortgage companies will demand that you have flood insurance regardless of where you live, but that's a priority that I mean, that's a stipulation we're going to have before the mortgage. That could really fix the problem. Of course, then people are upset about that in mortgage companies. But it's definitely a thought. But maybe I'm getting a little bit in the weeds there. But so basically. That's a federal a program, so you're limited to what, what you can get um, you can buy excess flood insurance let's say you had a million dollar home, but that's even a separate policy from homeowners, and that can be very expensive so if you're just relying on on the flood water um, insurance you you don't have a lot of flexibility of how much you can qualify for whereas on your homeowner's policy, you know you can insure your home for any value that the insurer will allow you once they get an appraisal you're, you know if you have a $100,000 home, you're not, they're not going to let you have a million-dollar uh, insurance policy on it. But if the appraisal comes out, you can have as much insurance and however high deductible or low deductible as you want to have. So you have more flexibility with a normal homeowner's policy. You're pretty much stuck with the flood program of what the government's providing at the time.
0: And what if you're uh, somebody who's renting? You may have renter's insurance, but what happens if there's a flood in that case? Like, Do you turn to you know, whoever you're renting through, or how would that work for somebody like that?
1: Right. Right. When you have uh, renter's insurance, that's covering basically uh, your possessions. It doesn't. It's not covering the structure of the home. You don't own the home, but it's covering your possessions inside your home. It also covers you with personal liability. So, let's say you had a friend over and they broke their leg in, in the house you're renting. Your renter's insurance would would come in for personal liability. It would come in if there was theft or fire. As far as the, your items in the home that you owned, the structure itself that ha- that's insured by the uh, owner of the home. So, your landlord. That's always something good to check too. A landlord is the one's responsible for the flood uh, for a flood insurance because that's really being that's what's going to fix the structure. A a regular renters policy, if if there was a flood in your home um, and things were damaged, then your renters policy you'd have to read the fine line. But many times with that, your your stuff is still protected because they don't quite see that as. since it's, a, since it's a, a renter's policy for your belongings, it's done a little differently. Um, so you want to make sure, uh, you know, you know, if, especially if the flood damage is minor, that your landlord has the access funds to fix it, hopefully properly. If it's major flood damage and your home is, you know, you're renting your home's, you know, uh, not in, not inhabitable, then you're going to have to move anyway, and you're probably in a bit of a pickle in that instance. But yeah, it's not the renter's responsibility to carry flood insurance on the structure where they live.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So yeah. let's say, you know, you, you have flood insurance, Hurricane Florence came through, or whoever mm-hmm. whoever's next, unfortunately. Uh, you know, yeah. how do you go about filing a claim? How do you figure that whole process out?
1: Yeah, well, the, the first thing to, to really always remember is any kind of claim after a storm is a highly emotional time you know you have people who could have possibly lost loved ones they've certainly had property damage and you have a vast swath of people and places that are affected so it's a high emotional time so that's that's the first thing you should really understand it's it's emotional time for a lot of people your insurer likely will send uh, teams down to facilitate filing and to help people the the insurance uh, state boards will beef up their hotlines and things to kind of help you. And you also then have, you know, all kinds of Red Cross, you have all kinds of people that can help with some immediate needs. But when it's coming, so once that the storm's gone, and you really now assess, okay, it's time to make a claim. The first thing you do is, is contact your insurance agent. And so many people are insurance company and do that immediately. As soon as you're safe and the storms, you know, if storms out of the way and you're now safe, contact them because we, you see a problem where people might want to wait a while because you are thinking, oh, you know, so many people are filing right now. I'm going to wait a while. It's going to be a mess. I'll just, you know, make my claim later. And, and you have a, a lengthy timetable to make a claim. But the problem is that usually it's kind of like getting in a queue situation. You know, you're going to get in the line. And so if you call immediately, it still may take a few days to get to you. But if you wait a few days, you may find yourself at, a, at the bottom of a very long line. So the first thing is, is to definitely reach out to your insurance company, via your insurance agent or however you, if you need to make an email or you just pick up the phone and call your agent down the street, always contact your agent as soon as possible. And then some people make this mistake. They're thinking, oh, I have damage to my home. Um, I'm going to leave it as it is. I want an adjuster to come out. I want them to see the damage. That's fine for damage that's not going to create further damage. Like if you have a a leak, you want to fix the leak temporarily you' probably have to pay for it out of your pocket and then and then have the uh, assessor come out you don't want there to be further damage from your neglect from not making an immediate repair yes and if you, if you need to make that immediate repair go ahead and make it uh, and just you, know, you can document with photos how it was before and then keep all your receipts for the repairs you made and your insurance company should reimburse you for that after your deductibles met and all of that so don't just throw your hands up. If repairs need to be made and there's a tree in your living room, <laughs> you need to get the tree out of your living room. And especially if you have the financial means to do it, go ahead and do it. Um, you know, all reputable insurance agencies are going to reimburse you for that. And, and that also holds true if it's so bad of the damage, you have to go stay at a hotel, for instance. You know, don't feel like, you know, I can't afford in the long term to go stay some other place. If you need to get out for your safety, the house is, is uninhabitable, Go stay. where You need to stay and keep your receipts because your lodging is is oftentimes reimbursable too. And then once you actually are in contact with your agent um, or your adjuster, whoever they're sending out, they're going to ask you to fill out a loss form. And that's and when you've had a, a catastrophic loss, you know it's hard to remember everything you had in your house. Um, you know that that's a difficult thing. So you're going to be prepared to kind of th- to list the damage you have. And if you know, if you've had, you know, major flooding and stuff is just gone, that can be hard. So if you've kept an inventory, I often recommend people take a video of their belongings in their house and keep it on their cell phone because you tend to keep your cell phone with you and you can put it in the cloud wherever you'd like to. And there are apps that help you do home inventories. If you just have that visual home inventory, when those forms come in and the adjusters start to ask these questions and you're already overwhelmed to begin with, and you're trying to remember you know, this couch (laughs) you had or some piece of whatever, it could be tricky. But if you have that video, that can really help you and help the adjuster make the process easier. So be prepared um, to fill out a lot of forms be prepared to list things that might have been damaged or lost beyond just the structure itself. And having that home inventory can totally be, um, it can just make things a lot less stressful for you.
0: Yeah, that's such a great tip for anybody. You know, we live out here in earthquake country. So in Los Angeles. So, you know, that's definitely something I've done is do, you know, home um, inventory videos and I try to update it, you know, at least once a year. So I have something more accurate, but it's good advice because, you know, um, I lived through, you know, a major earthquake out here in LA and, you can't remember what was where or how many you had of something, or you know you're you're in that emotional state, and your memory just is not going to work properly
1: right and a lot of people are like ah, i don't know how to do I don't know how to work my phone camera very well. The lighting's are not going to be good i don't and it doesn't matter <laughs> you're you're not making a documentary film here you're actually you're probably not going to get an academy award. We'll just say that and just <laughs> just as to have it if the lighting's bad or if your grandmother's in the shot and somebody's yelling at the kids." It's okay. Just get that documentation. And like I said, there's several apps on your phone that can make it quicker for you if you feel like you'll be better served by that, but having the documentation. But as you guys know, in California, you know, earthquake insurance, that's a separate policy from a homeowner's
0: insurance. Absolutely. And very expensive. Yes,
1: very expensive. So, you know, you can understand when you have something that can affect a large number of people. You know, the insurance companies are trying to figure out a way to keep those premiums down, but still be able to cover everyone. So it's very similar, depending on where you live, if there's a, uh, you know, some kind of natural disaster you're prone to. And you guys have that. The coastal cities have our the storm um, situation, especially during hurricane season, can be bad. Another thing that's interesting, though, many um, states have regulated um, how a hurricane disaster would work for, in a multi-storm situation. So let's say you get hit by a hurricane. And then a month later, you're hit by another hurricane. In Florida, Louisiana, and many of your other uh, coastal states, the the law now demands that you only have one deductible per calendar year. So if your hurricane deductible is $3,000, it's $3,000 per calendar year, not per storm. So that's something... That's something, and you got, it's not every state, so check the state laws, check your insurance agency. They, you know, double check on that because it's not everywhere, but definitely Florida, definitely Louisiana and some other states. So that way, and because we had this happen last year, if you remember, we had like three or four storms right after the other. We had Harvey, we had Maria, and I believe it was Irma, I get them mixed up after a while. But, you know, we had, there were people that potentially could have had three storms hit them. And people were worried about that. And so that's when we made a point to say, hey, you know, again, double-check your policy. Uh, find out if they have if They don't. Shop around for a better insurance policy if that's something you're worried about, because some policies will help you do this. They don't rely just on state law. And, and keep in mind that once the first hurricane hits, do the repairs and all that. Then afterward, you've already paid that deductible. So it, it might be small comfort when the second storm hits you. But that's something to keep in mind to be like, oh, I don't have to reach that high hurricane deductible for a second or third storm. So that's that that gives the people some peace of mind, especially when you live on the coast.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, this has been awesome, Jason. Uh, tell us a little bit more about insurancequotes.com and uh, how we can connect to you if we have a question.
1: Sure. Yeah, insurancequotes.com, it's it's basically a one-stop place to shop um, for insurance quotes for all kinds of insurance, home, auto life, health. We kind of do it all. And basically, you can go to our website and you can compare exact policies from all the major carriers and some other carriers to hopefully get the best price. But I always say to get the best price for the policy you need. Sometimes the cheapest uh, policy is not always the best, depending on your needs. So you can go to our website. You can cost compare. You can talk to an agent uh, on our number. We can put you in touch with agents. So whether you want to do the internet or over the phone, we can help you out. And basically, like I say, try to match you with the policy that best fits your needs. And so, you know, my job is to out there and inform people about the different types of insurance. And again, like we said, it's it's not a fun topic people want to want to really discuss at a dinner party, but it's such an important issue that I, you know, I'm out there trying to make sure people have the most knowledge and as aware as they possibly can so they can make that right decision. So that's what we do at insurancequotes.com and I have the fun job of, you know, being more the consumer side and really trying to help uh, people out there um, who were going to find themselves probably in a highly stressful situation when it comes time to make a claim.
0: Hey, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Millennial Money. I'll be back on Friday with a fresh episode for you to check out. But in the meantime, if you love this episode and you found value in the content we share with you, I totally appreciate it. If you do me a favor, head on over to iTunes, rate and review the podcast. I promise to be your BFF for life.